Now, I have to say, as I was getting my waders off um, <laughs> and just as listening to uh, listening to everyone in the foyer and the music in here and um, it's really enjoyable to be the pastor of this church. It's really enjoyable to be the pastor of a healthy church. Um, and God is truly blessing us. Just a, one quick little update here. You know, we, we talked about drilling a well, and then we thought, well, we can drill two wells if, you know, people would match this. And we're up to almost four wells that we can drill at this point. Um, yeah, amen. Amen. And that's really, really exciting. And I, I just really feel blessed because I talk to a lot of other pastors and, you know, you hear what's going on in different churches and it breaks your heart. And and I know we all go through different struggles, but it's really nice. I'm just I'm just stating how I'm feeling right now. It's really, really nice to be the pastor of Grace Chapel and the way God is moving in your lives and the way God is touching people's hearts and being able to do a baptism, um, Brianna, this morning and having communion after. God is just, you know, it's, it's just a great time of worship for us. And so therefore, I'm going to take it easy on this morning. <laughs> Not. Um, <laughs> um, if you have your Bibles, just tuck your feet underneath the chair and, you know, hold on to the person next to you because we're going to have a good time this morning. Um, have your Bibles open up to Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, we're going to look at verses one through 10, actually one through 11. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, amen is right. So we're not going to lighten up at all because that is one of my, that is one of my favorite verses. And I'll tell you right now, if, if you memorize no other verse, if you remembered nothing else about the Bible, and that's the only thing you knew, about the Bible, you could live a strong Christian life. I mean, think about the richness that's in that verse. God is God can use that to to do tremendous things in your life. And we're in this series, good to I mean, great to good. In, in in the series, great to good, it's really a contrast between a biblical worldview and the thoughts, the ideas, the beliefs of this world. So we're contrasting. We're making these contrasts between what the world thinks, what the world believes. And what God says, what the Bible says, and the huge contrast between the truth, too. We're trying to follow the command of, of, of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, which basically says, ask where the good way is and walk in it. Ask where the ancient path is and walk on the ancient path. And what we're finding is during this series 
It's, it's, it's difficult, but it's good. We're finding that it's a real struggle. It's a real challenge to try to follow after those who've come before us. Those, those who've, who've laid, laid down the example, who've blazed the path. It is a real challenge to try to, to try to follow after them. It takes discipline. It takes heart. It takes courage. It takes everything that we really have to try to fulfill what God is calling us to do. And and this message in Philippians chapter 2, though it's extremely practical, is no less challenging. It is really challenging. I quickly realized as I was was going through this sermon that there was no way I was going to do this, this passage or these verses justice in one service, in one sermon. So I broke it down into two. And I've been wanting to do this for a while, and it fit in perfectly, so I'm going to do it next week. Um, I'm tying in the, 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 a contrast between Alexander the Great and Jesus Christ. I'm going to contrast Alexander the history. We're going to go a little bit in history. I'm going to contrast Alexander, who the world calls great, and Jesus Christ. And we'll use that to, fill, to, to finish out next week uh, on these four points. We'll go point one this morning and finish the other three next week. So here in Philippians, Paul is telling them and he's telling us how we can, um, how we can become uh, more, more like Christ, how we can grow in our spiritual walk, how we can live out what the Bible calls us to do. And he's giving Jesus Christ as the example. He's saying, he's saying, here's how I want you to live. Here's how we should live our lives and we should follow Jesus Christ as our example. He tells us that if we follow Jesus Christ, if we follow him, then we can successfully walk in a way that leads us to spiritual maturity. That's what we're talking about, right? From May through September, this whole series is going to go from May to September. And our goal for each one of us individually and as a church, and it seems to be working, is that we start out one person in May, we become a different person in September. This is about spiritual growth. This is about spiritual maturity. Each Week as we go through these, I am trying my best not to lighten up at all. You know, summertime, dog days of summer, and you know, and what people are saying this summer, more, I've never heard people say this before, but they're saying, man, when we're home, you know, no one's taking a hiatus, no one's taking a sabbatical, if you will, from church. They're saying, when we're home, we want to be there. We want to grow. We don't want to miss. We want to make sure that we're, if we miss it, we're listening to it online and that this is a real exciting time in the church. And so that Paul is encouraging us to, to grow and become more mature and to follow the example of Jesus Christ in order to do that. Now, if we are going to be followers of Christ and we truly understand what that means, again, again, it is going to be a challenge. It is Christ that we are called to follow. It is his example. It is his actions that we're, t- we're called to emulate. We're, t- we're supposed to be like him in every way, in every way possible to become like him. And this is the real practical message of Philippians chapter 2. This is the overarching message. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Your attitude. Attitude, my friends, is everything. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. God is looking at the heart. We said it last week when it came to giving. God is looking at the heart. 
When you are raising your children, it is not about much about the actions of your children as it is about the attitude of your children because actions will reflect an attitude. The attitude starts and that bears itself out in our actions. So what we're supposed to do is have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Now, if we have any chance at all, any chance at all of complying with the instructions here, to follow through with verses 1 through 4, oh man, I'm telling you, we're going to have to have the attitude of Christ. Because listen to verses 1 through 4 again. I'm going I'm to skip down actually to, um, to verse 3, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. You cannot do that if, we, if you don't have the attitude of Christ. It is not possible for us to fulfill what Paul is calling us to do if we do not have the attitude of Jesus Christ. And in verses 5 through 11, it, we're told how to pull this off. So it all ties together and we're going to kind of go and jump from verse to verse here. So verses one through four, Paul's telling us this is what you should do. Here's how you should live. And then verses five through eleven, he's pretty much telling us how to pull it off. How do you do that? You have to have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Bottom line is this. You cannot be a follower of Christ. You cannot fulfill. You cannot be obedient to what God has called you to do. If you don't have the attitude of a servant, cannot be done. Can't do it. This is extremely challenging, and I'm going to keep raising the bar. But it cannot be done unless we have that kind of attitude. It starts in the heart. It starts from the inside, and that's where it expresses itself outside on the, of the attitude. John, uh, John Maxwell wrote this, The greatest day in your life and mine is when we take total responsibility for our attitudes. That's the day we truly grow up. That's the day we start to really become spiritually mature. When we take responsibility for our attitudes, when we look into our own hearts and realize where we are spiritually and where we need to go, where we need to grow, taking responsibility for our attitudes. Think about it. Your ultimate purpose in life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to become more like Jesus Christ. If we fail in the area of servanthood, then we are not going to be able to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Each of us was created for a specific purpose. The number one purpose, you say, what is the meaning of life? Why? What is the purpose of my life? It is to become more like Jesus Christ. And then for God to use you in specific ways on this earth with your gifts, your talents, your abilities, all of those things. You cannot fulfill your purpose in life if you fall short here in the area of servanthood. Cannot be done. Now, I want you to think about this as well as we, as we kind of open this up. It doesn't matter what you were taught in school or in your university. It doesn't matter what you read in your favorite business books. It doesn't matter who, 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 who told you, whether it's your counselor or your mentor or your, 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 you know, your life coach. It doesn't matter who told you. If, if you've learned it in a book, you've been taught it in school, or if your mentors or whoever taught you these things, if those things do not align with the thought process of Jesus Christ, they're wrong. You see, what happens is we get a mixture of thoughts 
And we live out, oh, well, my mentor, he taught me this and he taught me that, how to do business. And my, my counselor told me this and that and the other thing. I read some books in business. I read some books on self-help and I read some books over here and they taught me. I don't even care if it's a Christian book. If it doesn't align with the thought process of Jesus Christ, what he tells you to do, it is wrong. And we have to renew our minds and rethink what God, how God would have us to live. Again, verse 5 sets the, stage, sets the stage. It sets the tone. It gives us insight. You see, the unmistakable message is this. The unmistakable message of Philippians chapter 2 is this. Do what Jesus did. Think what Jesus thought. And have the same attitude of servanthood that Jesus had. Think what he thought. Do what he did. And have the same attitude that he had. Because your attitude will almost always be reflected in your actions. It has to start here. When it starts here, it will express itself through your actions. That is so important. So we have to do what Jesus did. We have to think what Jesus thought. We have to have the same attitude that Jesus had. If my attitude about the poor and needy is a Christ-like attitude, then it will be reflected in my actions. If my attitude towards orphans, oh, just, let's just pick on our, our church. We, we say that we, we care about orphans and widows. We say we care about these things. And I would give us a good mark. I really would. Because we were talking about drilling wells. And we ended up drilling more than one well. That means that our attitude is that we care about orphans and it's reflected in our giving. It's reflected in our response to our attitudes. In the giving, now we can drill more wells. So if if we said we really care about orphans and widows and we care about drilling wells, but we didn't drill any wells, then I would challenge the fact that we care about people who are going thirsty or dying of communicable diseases and things like that, or waterborne diseases, because we didn't do anything. Attitude almost always is, is expressed through our actions. We have actions that flow out of our attitudes. So we need to follow the example of Jesus Christ if we want to be successful. Let me ask you a question. Why on earth would a church start a company called Self-Sustaining Enterprises to actually make money to give to other folks because it's an expression of our attitude. We have, an, we have a passion for those who are in need. That passion, that attitude expressed itself in starting a company that could be used, the resources could be used to invest in the lives of those who don't have. Not to give them a handout, but to give them a hand up. That's why we did that. We express our attitude in our actions. By starting the company. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Now you may be thinking, oh, all right, I, I get what you're saying, but what I'm thinking here is that Jesus was God and that he was, he was, he was unique. He had a unique ministry. And that's true because you know, you're thinking, well, if Jesus is God, I'm not God. And Jesus had a very unique ministry. He came to this earth for a specific purpose and that's not mine. So how do I follow him in this area? Well, we can follow the example of Jesus Christ in this area by having the same attitude toward ministry that Jesus had. Having the same attitude toward servanthood that Jesus had. Now, obviously, his ministry is completely unique. But I can follow his example by having the same attitude toward ministry and toward 
a, a, a desire to, to, to serve, a servanthood attitude. See, again, our attitudes will be reflected, will be lived out in our actions. So we need to do the same thing. We need to have that same, we need to have that same attitude. See, the action of giving comes from an attitude of the heart to give. The action of taking care of the needy comes out of an attitude in our hearts to want to take care of those in need. And the action of sharing Christ with someone comes out of an attitude, a heart, to want to see people come to know Jesus Christ, to be baptized. And that's the heart. Now, if, if we're not doing those things, we can't just sit around in our, in our, and be comfortable saying, well, I really want to see people come to Christ, but I never share the gospel with anybody. Well, then you really don't want to see people come to Christ. The, the attitude is giving you away. I, I, oh, giving, I would, if I had, I would give. Well, you're not giving, so your attitude is giving, toward giving is giving you away. Well, I really like to help those kids, but I'll tell you what, those, I, I'm really passionate about those kids that are in, 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 the, in, the, in the slave trade and all that kind of stuff, but, but I don't do anything about it. Well, then your attitude is basically giving you away. Your heart is being given away. And I know it's difficult to hear, but until we hear it, we can't make a difference. We can't change. That's what this is all about. It's about changing. It's about looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you know what? I'm talking a good game here, but I'm not living it out in my life. I need to live it out in my life. Here's a little nuance. If we do all the talking, but don't do any, have no, have no action to back it up, our children are watching. They're watching their pastor get up here and talk this way. And if we get up and talk about Jesus and talk about the power of God working through us, and we talk about changing the world and influencing and how we can do this, but we as adults don't do anything to back up our talk, what are our children going to think? They're going to think this is not real. This is a game, and I'm not sure I want to play. But if we get up here with passion and talk about the difference we want to see in our own lives and the difference we want to see in other people's lives, and we're doing our best to live that out in front of our children and those around us, they're going to say there's something real about them. These people are living out their faith. Why are they doing what they're doing? I want to come and see. I want to experience what they're experiencing. But my goodness, if we are not living out what we say, we believe, our children and those around us are going to look at us and just basically say, that's not something I want to be a part of. People want to be involved in something greater than themselves. We have something. We're involved in something greater than ourselves. We need to encourage people. We need to share that truth with people. We need to see people come and be drawn to Jesus Christ because of the way we live. Now, okay, in these, in these powerful verses that we're talking about here, there are four principles that will guide us to spiritual maturity. Four principles that I picked out that I believe will guide us to spiritual maturity. Four things that I think we need to understand and apply to our lives if we want to have the attitude of a servant. And the first one is this. To be a servant, we need to give up our rights for the good of others. We need to give up our rights. Now, this is, this, as I was walking through this in my own heart this week and, and, pra- and, and, and reading and praying and writing... 
I was, I was asking God to, to give me the words to say that will not just go in one ear and out the other, because this is such Christianese in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, serving, sacrificing the good of others, that was what Jesus did, and blah, blah, blah. No, you have to own these verses. You have to own these words. This is so challenging. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 again. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Better than yourselves. See, this is an attitude of humility. He's talking about humility. We need to be humble because when we're humble, we lift others up. We're, we're other person focused when we're humble. But if there's pride in our lives, we are self-focused. We're focused on ourselves. You look at the world around you. People who are in positions of power most of the time are, are filled with pride and arrogance. They're not thinking about how they can help others, how they can lift others up, how they can encourage someone else. They're expecting everyone else to encourage them. They're expecting everyone else to give to them, to serve them, to make sure that they keep moving up on the platform. But Jesus is saying the opposite here. I mean, the goal, the goal is to have that humility. Look at the contrast here between what Jesus is telling us to do, what Paul is telling us to do, and what the world tells us to do. It's completely different. No one's going to come out most of the time right out and say, hey, put yourself first. Think of yourself first. Make sure that you're, you make it to the top first. Crush everybody else along the way. No, well, they'll say it because we all hear it, but no one really wants to come out in, in general and say those kinds of things. But that's what we're being taught. We have a culture that is becoming self, so self-focused, so selfish. And in the midst of this selfish culture, Paul, Jesus Christ, and God, God is calling out to us saying, do the opposite. This is the way I want you to live. Follow my example. Look at verse 6. I want you to look at verse 6 now. It says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He's God. He's not the CEO of some company. He's not the president of the United States or any other president around the world. He's God. And what example does God come and set for us? God comes to earth and takes on the very nature of a servant. He humbles himself, takes on the nature of a servant, and gives himself to others. And that's the example that he set for us. That's the example that he gives for us. The Bible is clear. Jesus Christ is God. It is the very foundation of the church. It's the foundation of Christianity. And, and people will say, well, how do you know Jesus is God? And people will kind of challenge that sometimes. Peter was asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In John chapter 20 and verse 28, Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. That's what he calls Jesus. My Lord and my God. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that, that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus Christ is God. He is in very nature God. And because he was fully God, he was all able to overcome sin in, in the flesh. Fully God, fully man. He was able to overcome sin and live out his divine nature in the flesh. He was able to do that. This is cool. What Paul is telling us is because Jesus Christ lives in you, you have the ability to live out that same divine nature in your life. 
Now, you're not God. I'm not saying anyone here is God, but you have Jesus Christ living in you. Because you have Christ living in you, you have the ability to live out that divine nature as well. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's what those passages are all about. They're telling you that you have the power of the resurrection living in you. The power of the the resurrected Christ living in you. We can overcome the temptations that face us. We can overcome the difficulties that we're facing in our lives right now. We can overcome the addictions that we face in our lives. Why? Because Jesus Christ lives in us. Jesus living in us enables us to overcome our selfish desires and our temptation to live for ourselves instead of living for others. Because he lives in us, we have the ability to pull that off. Without him, it is impossible to do what I'm asking you to do this morning. Not possible. Our sinful nature and our culture and everything that we're taught by the people around us and their actions tell us to do the opposite. If you don't get yours, you're going to be... You need to make sure you grab, you take, mine, mine, mine. What is the the first words that children learn? No and mine, correct? All the words they can learn. I, I have grandchildren. The first word almost every one of my grandchildren learn. Mine. No. Everything in our existence tells us to do the opposite. Our nature tells us to do the opposite. But I'm encouraging you this morning that we don't have to succumb to our sinful nature, nor do we have to succumb to the culture around us because we have Jesus Christ living in us and we can live out that divine nature in our lives as well. It will allow us to be patient with people who rub us the wrong way. Let's just bring it down to brass tacks here. There are people around you that rub you the wrong way. It it, it helps you think of ways to creatively um, complement or partner with your, your competitors in business instead of just having the idea that you need to crush the people around you. Read most books on business. What do they tell you? They tell you how to crush the competition, annihilate everyone around you so that you can be the last man standing and make as much profit as possible. Jesus would have been a phenomenal businessman. He was a carpenter. Maybe he was. Phenomenal businessman. He would have been very successful in business. There are a lot of men and women who love Jesus Christ who don't live out that kind of attitude. I need to crush everyone around me. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Consider others better than yourselves. Don't look to your, just to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Well, that doesn't count in business. What? Of course it does. Of course it does. It has everything to do with business. Well, I'm going to get crushed by my competitors. No, you're, you're better than that. You don't have to you don't have to stoop to the point where your your only your only business plan is to crush and destroy everyone around you using every means possible. Usually most of those means many times are anti-biblical. You're better than that. You're more than that. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have Jesus Christ living in you. God has given you gifts, talents and abilities. And he's saying that you can do better than that. You can be more than that. And let me just ask you a question. What is more important? Is it more important to totally annihilate the person down the street or lead that person to Jesus Christ? 
And if investing in their life in some way or partnering with them or complimenting them in some way where your two businesses come together and complement each other and you're expressing that to that person and building a relationship, is it more important that you make a few more dollars? Because how much more? Is it more important you make a few more dollars or more important that person spends eternity with Christ? Just a question. I know what, I know what Jesus' answer would be. We need to think of those things. You see, here's another thing. Having this attitude gives us the ability to forgive those who have harmed us. It does. It gives us the ability to love our enemies. The Bible says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Do good to those who harm you. It's like, what are you... T- I mean, this is ridiculous. Do good? Do- love my enemies? Are you, have you lost your mind? How do I do that? By having the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and they crucified him, they stuck a crown of thorns on his head, they did spit on him, they cussed at him, they ripped him to pieces, ripped his back open. He's hanging on the cross. What does he say to the Father? Father, annihilate these folks. I can't stand them. You see what they've done to me? I'm humiliated. I'm hanging here naked. Get some angels. Let's go to town on these folks. Understand something. Jesus was fully God. All he had to do is give a thought and everyone's dead. But what does he say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is so unbelievable. And then Jesus says, I want you to be like me. I know this person has harmed you. Now, don't put yourself in harm's way again. I'm not saying that. I want to make sure it's clear. You got to set boundaries. People are painful or harmful. You don't need to hang around them and keep being harmed. What I'm saying is that you can still forgive someone who's harmed you so you're not stuck with that bitterness and that poison in your life. You can forgive those who've harmed you through the power of Jesus Christ. You can love your enemies through the power of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, this stuff is madness. This is insanity. It can't be done outside of a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. It cannot be done. Now notice the next thing he says. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he, 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 he was using, he was not taking that, that deity and using it to his own advantage. He didn't use it to his own advantage. He sacrificed for the lives of others. He was thinking about others. He didn't hold on to his rights as God. This is, uh, if you have a little pen, you might want to write some of these things down because theologically, this is a theology lesson as well. He didn't hold on to his rights as God. He wasn't looking out for himself. He was looking out for others. He wasn't looking for his own rights, but the rights of others. He was sacrificing. Here's what he did. This is extremely important. It says he emptied himself. Jesus never, his deity, his godness was never reduced. It was restrained. He restrained his deity. When he was on the cross, he restrained his deity. When he says, no one knows the day or the hour except the Father, Jesus is God. He could have known. He restrained his deity. He, was, he restrained his deity in order to come to earth and sacrifice himself on the cross for us. Jesus Christ came to earth for a, the purpose of sacrificing himself on a cross so that we could have and have a relationship with God and spend eternity with him. Because we're separated from him. But he also came here to set an example. He's saying, here is how I want you to live. I am God. But instead of using, 
instead of taking and taking advantage of my divine privilege and power to dominate my creation, instead of doing that, I am coming and I'm using this to be a servant. I'm going to use my, my power, my ability. I'm going to restrain my deity, if you will. I'm not going to dominate my creation. I'm going to serve the created. The creator comes to earth and he serves the created. All the authority and power power available to him, available to him, became a channel for giving, not a conduit for taking. It's incredible if you think about it. Again, Jesus is God. And instead of taking, he's giving. Ask yourself, what does it mean for me in business? I was at the At Work on Purpose Summit, Leadership Summit on Friday here at Grace Chapel. And they define leadership as influencing others by doing the right things. Influencing others by doing the right things. You're sitting here trying to figure out how you should run your business, how you should do things. I said in the beginning, I don't care what you read in your books. If it goes against, I read a lot of books on business. If it goes, but if those books go against what Jesus is saying, they're wrong. Change your way of thinking and do it the opposite way. If you're sitting around going, I don't know what's, how do I do this? How do I deal with that? Ask yourself, what is the right thing to do? What is the right thing to do? And that's what you do. You say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't really jive in business all the time. I know. I know. It doesn't. Do it anyway. Do the right thing. At the end of your life, when you're laying on your deathbed, an old man or an old woman, I guarantee you're not going to call for your portfolio. What you're going to remember is the character and integrity you had as a person. What you're going to remember is who you are. And the people sitting around you, standing around your bed will remember who you are. Not one of them will go, man, he's so awesome. He so, had so much this stuff. He had so much of this. No, he was a good man. She was a good woman. That's what they're going to say. People make contrasts all the time. You ever hear people say, that person is so great at that. That person is so great at this and so great and so great. They can say that. I can say someone so great. I'm a baseball player. That person is so great at baseball. I don't respect him at all. But I can't deny they're great at that. I can't deny that guy's great in business, but he destroys people's lives. But I can't deny he's great in business. But when I say he's a good man, I'm thinking one thing, and you know it, right? Think about that. When I say what a great woman, what a, what a good woman. He's a good woman. He, he, he's, a great, he's a good man. She's a good woman. You're always thinking the same thing. You're thinking about integrity. You're thinking about character. You're thinking about Christ-likeness. You're thinking about, you're thinking about them internally when you say someone is good. You can use the word great and throw it around. You know what? A lot of times it doesn't mean you have respect for that person doesn't mean you love them, you respect them. It doesn't mean you want to be like them. You're just acknowledging they're, good, they're great at something. Jesus was great and Jesus was good. And we need to apply this to our lives. What does it mean to us in business? What does it mean to us in our homes? If you are younger here, you have a brother or sister, what does it mean to you to have a younger or older brother and sister, how you're supposed to treat them? It's not my mess. Why should I clear? You made the mess. Now, you want to blow the person's mind. The next time you get in this argument, I didn't make that mess. Mom's telling us, Claire, you made the mess. You say, wait, wait. I know I'm not sure I made the mess either, but I'm going to clean it up. Why don't you just go sit down and I'll bring you a glass of water and I'll clean up the mess. 
Come on, do that. It'll blow their minds. They'll pass out right in front of you. It'll be really cool. They'll just drop. You know what I mean? They'll just, their, their eyes will get real big. They'll have no idea. They'll look so confused. It'll be the most confused look on your brother or sister's face they've ever seen in your entire life. It'll be awesome. Take a pic- Pull your phone out and take a picture when they go. You know what I mean? So, so what does it mean to you and your home? Husbands and wives, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. You know exactly what I'm talking about. What does it mean to have an attitude of a servant in your home with your brother and sister, with your mom or your dad? How about you having the attitude of a servant with your mom? Holy mackerel, mom. Moms don't get treated the same way. They, they, become, they are the servants, seems like, to everyone else. How about you serve them? How about you have a Christ-like attitude of a servant towards your mom? Do that. Not, mother, not on Mother's Day, every day. Have the attitude of a servant toward your mom. That's what it's talking about here. That's what it's talking about. Not just business, not just, you know, not just adult stuff. We're talking about every single person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. How about we have the attitude of a servant in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in all of our relationships? Because this passage applies to every single area of our lives. There's no exemption at all. His focus, Jesus Christ's focus, was not on filling himself or exalting himself, but emptying himself out of obedience to the Father. Emptying himself in obedience to God the Father. Our series, Great to Good, is about contrast. Well, look at the contrast here. Look at the contrast between the value system of Jesus Christ and the value system of this world. Look at the contrast. Look at the incredible contrast we have here. Can you just imagine if our political leaders and our business leaders would have the same attitude of Jesus Christ, have the same value system? 2007 and 2008 would have never happened. We wouldn't have the Great Recession. It would have never happened. Never happened. We wouldn't be $17 trillion in debt right now. We wouldn't have these problems. And I'm not talking about living in a perfect world. I'm just talking about human beings, men and women in leadership, having the same value system as Jesus Christ. They don't, so therefore we're in the mess that we're in. You're frustrated almost every day when you watch TV and all the injustice in the world with all the different issues that are going on around the world. You can't, you can't understand. You sit there and say, if you gave me six months in that position and no one else could tell me what to do, I could fix the whole problem. And you're actually right. The reason you can't fix it, the reason no one else is fixing it, no reason they can't fix it, is because they have the value system of the world and not the value system of Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. When you scratch your head and ask these people graduated from Harvard and Yale and all these Ivy League schools and they can't figure this out, they can figure it out. They're just living out the value system of this world and not the value system of Jesus Christ. There's the contrast. And it just works its way down to you and your brother and sister. There's no difference. We're not living out the value system of Jesus Christ. We sometimes are living out the value system of this world. And that's why we get ourselves into so much trouble. That's why our relationships are suffering so badly. See, in the world... If you have power, then you use that power to dominate other people. In this world, if you have power, you use that power to your advantage. Pick me a spot. Pick me a a, a dynamic in a business world and sometimes in the church. If you have power, you use that power to take advantage of those around you. That's the world. In Jesus, it's the opposite. 
Jesus, it's the exact opposite. Jesus says, if you are powerful, if you are strong, you are there. You are you are to serve those who are weaker than you. You are to use your strength and use your power to serve those who are in a lower position than you are. People who are in a lesser position than you are. You do not use your power to crush them. You use your power to lift them up, to encourage them, to strengthen them. You think of them as better than yourself. You not only look to your own interests, you also look to their interests. That's what Jesus says. That is madness in this culture. That is madness anywhere else in the world. But that's what Jesus calls us to do. And if we could just live this out, even in the smallest way, we would transform our lives. Imagine your marriage if both people thought this way. Imagine the relationships with your friends Imagine the relationships with the people around you at work. Imagine the difference it would make in people's lives if we lived just in a smaller, if we just took one or two steps in that direction, how it would transform everyone around us. Just a couple of steps. How it could totally transform everyone around us. If we are going to become like Jesus Christ, if we are going to have the attitude of a servant, and have that servanthood attitude, we need to become more like Him. If we want to be like Him, we need to live like Him. We need to think like Him. We need to act like Him. I want you to close your eyes with me as we close here. I want to finish off with communion. I want to take communion this morning, and I want to... I want to read. I want you to think about right now in your hearts. I want you to think about Jesus Christ. I want you to think about Jesus is God. God chooses to come to earth, restrain his deity, come down here to serve us, to live for us, to die for us, so that we can have a relationship with him and spend eternity with him. He did not use his power to dominate us, but to serve us and to set an example for us to follow. As hard as this is, Think about the life change. Think about the way we could change everything around us if we just own this concept, even in the smallest way in our lives. If you're doing well in this area, take another step. If you're doing terrible in this area, take a step. And as we take communion, let's remember, let's remember what Jesus did, how Jesus lived. I'm going to read this verse, read this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. After I'm finished reading, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, you can get up and go to the back and take the bread and take the cup. You don't have to wait for anybody else. As the Holy Spirit leads you, you can get up, take the bread and the cup. You can come back to your chair. You can come up front here and pray. You don't have to wait for anybody else to take communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father God, thank you so much for this time we can spend together. Father, thank you for the way you love us and the way you serve us and the way you sacrifice for us. I pray, dear God, that you would 
help us to understand who you are in each of our lives. And Father, we thank you for this bread that symbolizes your body, which was broken for us, given to us, so that we could have new life, so that we could start over again. Father, we thank you for this cup which symbolizes your blood which was shed for us, sacrificed for us. And Father, I pray that we would offer up our bodies this morning and for the day in the days to come as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. May this be our spiritual act of worship this morning. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Father, it's so amazing to be surrounded by your grace and your love and your mercy. Father, we thank you for this time that we can spend together in worship. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and the example that he set for us. Father, none of us are perfect. We struggle in our faith. We fall short so often. We backslide. We struggle with addictions. We struggle with just frustration in our lives. Some things in the past, Lord God, but you you can overcome all of that in our lives and you love us through it. Even when we walk away from you, Lord, you never walk away from us. You're always there with your arms open wide, calling us to embrace you. So, Father, I just pray with all of my heart for each person here. Father, that you'd help us to remember what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others, to not put myself first, but to put others first. Father, it's really difficult for us to do, but we know with the help of your Son, Jesus Christ, living in us, with the help of your Holy Spirit working through us, we can be stronger. We can become more like you. We can try to be holy as you are holy. We can try to be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, to the best of our ability. Help us. Help us, Lord, in small ways, just baby steps. Baby steps will change the world. Baby steps will change our homes, will change our relationships, change the way we think about ourselves. So, Lord, we give you this morning and ask that we would leave here different people than when we came in. Help us to become more like you every single day with every action and every attitude. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a beautiful, beautiful week.